Previously on the Simply Human Podcast. Listen, this is going to come across as me being like a super gun nut. Everyone should have a gun. You know full well I... feel like we should go door to door and metal all them down. Anyway. <laughs> it's episode 158 of the Simply Human Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. We have a guest on today's show. Dr. Glenn Livingston is an author and a, and a psychologist. He's a doctor. How about that for, some, well, uh, for a fancy person? Well, and I uh, hope to be in on that interview. A little tiny bit of time travel talk. You just got done recording it. We were supposed to record at 3.30, which is when I leave work, but uh, my boss came in about one minute until I was supposed to leave with a major project. And I was like, well, I guess uh, Dr. Glenn Livingston gets, uh, gets the Mark Rogers treatment. So sorry he, about that. He does something very interesting at the end of the interview when I, uh, when I asked his birthday, I guess his birthday. He turned around and he guessed my birthday. Did he get it right? He did not. Not even close. He's really, it was really embarrassing how often. Yeah, what kind of socks? (laughs) (laughs) But I thought it was very, uh, we've never had anyone just turn around and guess our birthdays. I thought that was very nice of him. Yes. To reciprocate. Glad it went well. Yeah. Well. Uh, 10 minutes from now and hear this awesome interview yeah so we also uh we recorded uh, a couple weeks ago and i still haven't released that one rick the one where yeah that's what i was telling you that's what i was yeah. texting you we well hey. we it's a really good we, it's a good show if you're listening to this hopefully you listen to that one because that one's going to come out before this one but we that's the one where we talked about the stealth bomber we did a rick's cop corner where we had a very good gun talk which i thought was great we talked about mother's day and we talked about fake characters uh, okay. So that, that's that's episode one fifty seven, which will be released, which has been released. Time travel talk. You have a story about mailing. What do you well, mean? let me tell the whole story here. So uh, I have been a uh, this is the bragging montage. Oh. I have purchased things on eBay before. Whoa! To sir. Well, recently I decided I was going to upgrade my hockey pads, and so I listed my hockey pads on eBay. I ended up connecting with a guy who actually is in this area, so I sold them. And uh, I didn't What's have to ship name, them. I, uh, I delivered to them to him in person. We met up in a parking lot, which sounds very shady. I sold my bike, and I met up with a guy in Dallas in a parking lot. Well, uh, so I was like, man, this eBay stuff is really easy. Uh, you know, I should get rid of more of my junk this way. So we had the gigantic storm that uh, ripped apart our house, and so that forced us to go through kind of some of our belongings. Be like, hey, why don't we have this? Why don't we have that? Why don't we have this? So. We came across a set. I'm not sure if you're familiar. They are uh, world book encyclopedias. Yeah. But not the encycl- the real encyclopedias. They're for children. The Childcraft uh, Kids Encyclopedias. But they're old. They're from like 1976. I think my wife had them when she was younger. Hmm. Uh, and they're like, each volume is entitled something like, you know, People and Places. And there's another one that's like, you know, Bugs and Insects and crap like that. I think that's the actual title. <laughs> This is like 15 volumes, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, these on eBay. So I put it on eBay and completely forgot. Well, I got one bid for them, and it was 99 cents. So No way. I, I put them, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's bound to be some sort of like a weird hipster that likes old books that, you know, might collect these or something. So I was thinking maybe 20 bucks. No, no, no. I won them for 99 cents. Oh, my gosh. What a whip. Well, it was only ninety nine cents, so I was like, "Well, I'll, I'll mail them off. I'll mail them tomorrow. Well, I'll mail them tomorrow." And I kept forgetting. Well, so I waited like a week, and I get a hold of the guys like, "Sorry, it's been a uh, been a crazy week. I'm mailing them off right now." So, 
uh, I look at eBay. Wait, did you have to? Did you have to pay for the shipping, or did he pay for the shipping? No, no, no. Well, it's part of the story. So he paid for the shipping, okay. which eBay automatically calculated at like nine dollars and you know seventy four cents or right. something like that. I don't know how do they do it? I don't. I'm not a packageman. You're not a post. So packageman. Exactly. So I. Uh, I, I look on eBay and it's like, oh, hey, your item is sold. Would you like to print a shipping label? It's like, oh, heck yeah, I would. That'd be way easier than standing in line at the post office. Yes. So I put the shipping label. I put it on the box, tape up the box. We're all good. I take it to the post office and the lady goes, yeah, this is not going to work. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, uh, this is not nearly enough postage to mail this. And I was like, well, uh, this is what eBay told me. To, she's like, yeah, it goes by package weight. So she weighed 15 encyclopedia volumes. And it was like a hundred and something dollars. No, no, it's not quite that bad. But it's like $35 priority <laughs> mail. And I was like, I'm sending those priority mail yeah. uh, $35 so this guy can get these, you know, 40-year-old uh, <laughs> you know, uh, encyclopedias that contain a bunch of, you know, outdated information about, the, you know, the earth is flat and all this stuff. So... I was like, hey, what's the cheapest I can send it? And she's like, well, we have a thing called media mail. I was like, what's that? She's like, it's, well, it's really it's for stuff like books and stuff. So I was like, well, how much is the media mail? So she says, uh, it's $15.17. I was like, you know what? That's fine. Just, just uh, So you're, you would be out like, what, five bucks? Well, well, hang on. So I'm out. Not only has he the, – the money that he paid towards shipping went towards that eBay label. So oh, he's paid – right dollars for the item plus shipping but that shipping label is worthless yeah so i'm 10 i'm negative 10 dollars already right well uh now with this uh, additional postage i'm gonna be uh 15 in the hole so now i'm running like 25 bucks in the hole just to get rid of these <laughs> encyclopedias that i should have just thrown away for <laughs> So this gets more ridiculous. So uh, I uh, God in traffic, and this guy's driving like a maniac. So I uh, shoot him, shoot him in the head. Oh, this is a great plan. So I uh, wait. I don't even have my gun. I left it in my desk drawer. Crap! Dang it. I was just at the jail, and I have to put my gun. Oh, note to self: I don't have a gun with me. So I uh, <laughs> gets funnier and funnier. So I uh, get a message from the guy like a couple days ago, and he says, "Hey, good news! I got the package. Thank you." And he's like, "Bad news." Uh, the box was open, and about half of the, the volumes you were missing. You have got to be kidding and me. And I was like, what? So he sends me a picture, and the box has been completely destroyed. Like Ace Ventura delivered oh. the package in the very Ace Ventura movie. Yeah. It's destroyed. It's ripped open, and half of the 15 volumes are gone. And I was like, well, I uh, kind of don't know what to do here. So I go to the Postal Service's website, USPS. <laughs> whatever. Good luck. Whatever. So we're really treading on me with all this government. Well, uh, apparently, media quote media mail is, is insured? not insured. Not insured. It's not insured. Of course. So, hey, you know what? At this point, it's not like I sold a guy something worth like five hundred dollars. He paid ninety nine cents for it. I mean, yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna refund his money, and I'm gonna get a refund on the shipping, and then then we'll just be done. Well. Not only does it not handle the product, it, like the, the, the thing that was in the box is not insured. That's not recoverable. But neither is the shipping. And I was like, what? So I can't get a refund on the shipping. So I call the postal service. And this is first thing in the morning oh when I'm in the office. Gosh. What a and they're like, yeah, you're going to uh, to your local post office branch mm. and talk to the postal inspector. 
And it's like, oh, well, I'll figure this out. I've got my badge on. I'll just go down there and, hey, one lawman to another. How about you give me 15, <laughs> 17 back, pal? Well, postal inspector's not there. And I talked to a guy. And he's like, let me talk to my manager. And I was like, oh, this is going to go well. Because anytime someone's like, let me talk to my manager, you yeah. know you're about to get blown off, right? Yeah. He comes back. Unless you're my mom. He comes back and he's like, hey, I got a, the customer, the Dallas area customer service line for you to call. It's like, that's basically what the manager said you can do. I was like, oh, well, uh, thanks. Tell the manager I said thanks. Take him away from his coffee. So I called the customer service line, and the lady was really, really nice, and I explained to her. She said, oh, okay. Well, let me put you on hold, and let me transfer you to customer care. 30 minutes later. She puts me on hold, and I'm on hold for a while. And so while I'm on hold, I put something on Facebook you know, about the whole ordeal. And I make it, and it's just basically being self-deprecating about how stupid of a businessman I am. Here I'm thinking I'm going to sell these volumes and get some money, and turns out it's cost me $25 (laughs) so far. (laughs) It's like I should have just flushed money down the toilet instead of and thrown the things away. Yeah. So uh, I'm on hold for so long. I'm, you know, people are commenting on my Facebook, and I say something like, "I should start a GoFundMe to." recoup my shipping costs so i was like yeah you know what yeah i'm gonna go ahead and do that so i set up a gofundme <laughs> to pay for my shipping costs hold on i'm looking have, at it right now i have enough donations right now i have 16 dollars in donations <laughs> to cover the shipping that just the just the media mail shipping not even all the shipping yeah and I decided, once I set this up, I was like, oh, that's kind of Bush League. So I decided that, okay, you know what? Instead of the shipping costs, I'll just take all the money that everyone donates, because this is really ridiculous. I'll just donate it to a uh, an organization that I, that I appreciate uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They're called DRC. They, uh, they help uh, homeless people kind of get back on their feet, not just providing money and food, but like I'm looking, homeless people. I'm looking at these out. comments, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> So the video, the picture of uh, Rick, the art of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was on hold this entire time, like forty five minutes. So I decided that any donation that somebody gave me, instead of you know recouping the shipping costs, I'm going to donate this DRC Foundation. Like when somebody's homeless, it's not just a matter of like, hey, let's now, why don't you go get a home or get a job? You can't really get a job without proper documents, and people have been long term homeless, like don't have. ID cards or birth certificates, so this organization helps them track down that information to get the bare necessities like IDs and birth certificates, important documents, social security cards, so they can go out and get a job and and, and you know hopefully get some money and, and get a place to live and kind of break that that perpetual cycle of homelessness. So uh, what I'm going to do <laughs> is uh, share this on the uh, Simply Human <laughs> Facebook page yeah. and. Uh, you know, if anybody out there wants to donate, this is not going towards me. Uh, I've decided shit. that all, all of it, it. I'm not even like going to say like, "Hey, I'll take the fifteen, seventeen to repay myself for all this." I'm going to do the whole thing uh, and donate it all to DRC. So uh, take a moment and uh, and and take a look at what we <laughs> at my ridiculous uh, Facebook story about this how I. Uh, well, yeah, put and put on the Facebook post when you do it. Say this will be explained in episode one fifty eight. Because we still have a couple to go, so it might be a couple of weeks. Actually, I might just I might just upload them like within a couple of days of each other. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, who I do cares? That. Yeah, because this, uh, this is a top of sight, top. Of yeah. By I'm the a- way, also in ridiculous Rick stories, you know the saga of my, my Gmail, my simply yes, yes, yes. Okay, let me tell that whole story. It's just okay. a minute or two. So when I set up the Gmail for the show, 
uh, it's like, uh, you know, would you like to add a recovery phone number or recovery email address in case you lose your password? And I was like, no, no, I don't want Gmail. I, want, I don't want Google to know, you know, where I am and to call me and all this. So I say, no, I was like, no, I'm never going to forget my password. Are you kidding me? And I log in on my phone and it stayed logged in. Well, something, I had to restart my phone and it re it asked for all my passwords again. This, this is like two months ago. Well, I couldn't uh, remember my Gmail password. I was like, oh, I'll just reset the password. Now, without any of that stuff, without like a, hey, what's an alternate phone number we can like, uh, an alternate email or a phone number we can text you the reset code to, uh, they only, they ask like, you know, the, the personal history questions, like what was your dog's name and stuff like that. Well, one of them is, when did you set up this account? And I was like, I don't know when I set this Gmail account up. And so I guessed like a whole bunch of times and got them all wrong. I'm looking at like the iTunes page for when I uh, joined the show. Cause I'm thinking, Oh, maybe I, you know, I joined, I started doing it, the hosting thing with you, like in December, I think of 13. Uh-huh. And I was like, Oh, just 13 wrong. So I was like, well, uh, you know what? I guess, uh, I guess I'm just going to have to start a whole new, like simply human Rick one at gmail.com <laughs> or something. well, I would like you to know I used my detective skills and oh. I unlocked it. And here's what I did. So it was still like all my old messages were still logged on Gmail on my phone. Yeah. Well, I realized my phone was taking up a ton of space and memory. So I was like, oh, I got to go and delete like all old like deleted messages and sent messages trying to uh, get some, some memory freed up. Well, the very first email I ever sent from that account was when I set it up. And it was In, your like, password? January. Well, no, it was a message to you, uh, and the the subject line was testing, testing if the email worked right, and the sub and the uh, text the ne- the the body of it just said the word wiener. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look at it and I was like, that's that's the first email I sent. That must have been when I set up the account. So I like quickly log into Gmail and it's asking me all those questions. And it's like, when did you set up this Gmail account? I was like, January of 2014, and bam, unlocked, yes. got it unlocked. Oh, so that's hilarious. I have now given Gmail permission to have my phone yes. number, personal email address, my uh, my social security number, my bank account number, uh, my address, uh, and uh, oh, I, hang on a second, I'm getting another. Call. Oh, I have no money. All my money has been stolen. My stolen by 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 Google. But no, I'm just kidding. That was clearly no. But you now were you can email me at simplyhumanrick at gmail dot com, and I will get that email. I so emailed you, you today. Uh, to that address, I was so happy to do it. I looked at email and I read it, and it, I was like, "Yes, I can do this again." So, well, hey, s- s- I'm so I'm uh, you're a detective adult, is what you are—a very <laughs> handsome detective. This all this whole thing shows just how <laughs> much of a mistake they made to make me a detective. <laughs> just so well, okay, we have a guest, which means the end of the interview, it's just going to, like we did with the Rob Wolf interview, it's just, the show's just going to be over, so deal with it. Um, and uh, let's get to the interview. We talked to Glenn Livingston. What? Me? What? Huh? Me? What? What? Huh? What? Me? Huh? We talked to Glenn about his background, chocolate syrup, hmm? eat, mate, or kill, character, Trump's willpower, making small changes, paleo, com, and hiking in nature by waterfalls, here's Glenn. 
Dr. Glenn Livingston on the show. Very excited. Uh, Dr. Livingston is a veteran psychologist and longtime CEO of a multi-million dollar consulting firm, which has serviced several Fortune 500 clients in the food industry. Dr. Glenn's work, theories, and research have been published in major periodicals. There's so much more that we can intro with, but I, I think we'll just leave it at that. Welcome to the show, Glenn. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that Glad that you're calling me Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I make people call me doctor, and I'm not a doctor, so it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Dr. Rogers. Please refer to me as that. Be able to call me your highness. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, along those lines. Um, cool. Well, so happy to have you, and Rick may join us here in a minute, um, but I think we'll just start off with you sharing your story. Um, it's a, okay. it's a, uh, done some research, and it is quite a fascinating story, and I'm, I'm excited to have you tell it to us. Okay. Well, uh, I was a binge eater and what you would call an exercise bulimic these days, although I don't think we had that diagnosis when I was a kid. Right. And what it, what it means is that I, I really like to eat, but I couldn't put sticks my finger down the throat to, to get rid of it. So <laughs> right. I ex- exercised it off instead. Yeah. And I'm six foot four and fairly muscular. And I discovered early on that if I worked out for a few hours a day, that I could eat six, 7,000 calories, no problem as a kid. And the problem is when I got older, I um, started to have responsibilities and um, I was married and I had patients and I just couldn't, I just couldn't continue to eat like that. I was gaining weight. My triglycerides went through the roof and the doctors were telling me that I was going to die soon. Um, literally because they were, well, the the only test I have that shows it was over 800, but I seem to remember it was over 1,100, which is more than 10 times what the normal rate should be. Right. <laughs> yeah, quite and, a little, just a just a tad alarming. Yeah. <laughs> but but more importantly, I, I had the obsession with the food. Like yeah. I would be sitting. I worked with suicidal patients. I worked with um, people right after an affair and very serious situations. And it's always been critically important to me to be a good psychologist because I come from a family of 17 of them. Therapist, wow. <laughs> yeah, and 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 so it really bothered me that I'd be sitting there and thinking about when can I go to the deli and open my dislodge my jaw and empty the contents of the the deli tray into it. Right. Um. And and I had to do something about it, so I I went the traditional route and I looked at talking to psychologists and psychiatrists, and I went to Overdue's Anonymous and. I basically followed the route that our culture has us follow, which is the idea that it's not what you're eating, it's what's eating you, and there must be something deeply psychological that's wrong if you can't stop overeating all this stuff. Um, and I just found that it didn't work. I mean, I got some help in some places, and I did a lot of soulful exploration, which was helpful to me psychologically. Um, I, I'd run a big study which showed that People who had chocolate problems, like I did, tend to, tended to be struggling with loneliness and heartbreak. And you know, so I went, I went and I talked to my mom about that, and she said, "Well, as a matter of fact, when you were a toddler, your dad was frightened about going to Vietnam, and he was a captain in the army. He was really overwhelmed. And um, my dad, your grandfather, was missing, you know, just before that, and." You know, honestly, Glenn, I was overwhelmed and depressed that I couldn't really take care of you the way that I should have. So I kept a bottle of chocolate Bosco on the floor huh. and um, I would say, Glenn, go get your Bosco. And 
this was this chocolate syrup. And I would go and suck on a bottle of chocolate syrup. Oh my gosh! Let's <laughs> <laughs> say it's, it's in, in uh, you know it, it seems kind of genius. Obviously, not long term, but you know, just like hey, uh, leave me alone. Go here's some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> My mom is not proud of that. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I absolutely adore my mom. It, yeah. it actually healed my relationship with my mom to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and it healed me in a lot of other psychological ways. I feel more forgiving of myself, more forgiving of my family. But it didn't stop me from binging. And it didn't stop those similar types of insights didn't stop my patients from binging either. And the reason is that I found that there was this crazy little voice in my head that would say, you know what, Glenn? You know, chocolate it it you're right that your mama and your papa they didn't love you enough and until you manage to find the love of your life and fill up that empty hole inside of you you're just going to have to keep right on binging on chocolate and it's that voice that was really the cause of the addiction or at least the mediating factor it's kind of like the valve on a pipe and it doesn't matter so much what's in the pipe if you if you know where the valve is and you can close the valve, then you don't have to let stuff come out the other side. You don't have to engage in the behavior. Right. And I started looking at, um, there's some alternative addiction literature by a guy named Jack Trimpey. He wrote a book called Rational Recovery. How do you spell that last name? T-R, oh, I always forget, T-R-I-M-P, I forget if it has an E or a what. Okay. I know there's a Y, but I don't know if there's an e either or not. It, he's at rational.org. That's where you can find him. Perfect. Rational. And, and I read his primary book, cool. which was called Rational Recovery. That was the name of the book. And the essence of what he was saying, he works mostly with the black and white addictions, and this didn't work 100% for food because... When you, say, is, when you say black and white addiction, are you talking about like alcohol, cigarettes, things like that? Yeah, the, the things that you can do without entirely. With food, you've got to take the lion out of the cage and walk it around the block a few times a day. Um, and, and so there are a lot of modifications, tremendous modifications. I had to kind of evolve into a different theory um, to make this work for food. But, but the essence of the idea was that, look you can't really love yourself thin or you can't really love yourself out of an addiction because there's this primitive part of the brain, the lizard brain. And when the lizard brain looks at something in the environment, it says, do I eat it? Do I mate with it? Or do I kill it? Eat, mate, or kill. It doesn't care about love. It doesn't care about your family. It doesn't care about the rest of your tribe. It doesn't care about your long-term goals. It's just eat, mate, or kill. And when you are when your paradigm is that you have to love this thing and you're standing on at starbucks and there's a big hairy chocolate bar at the counter that's looking better and better as you get there and you hear this little voice in your head that says you know glenn chocolate comes from a cocoa bean and cocoa bean comes from a plant and therefore chocolate's a vegetable chocolate is salad basically what you're just (laughs) saying And as crazy as it sounds, everybody's had the experience of having some ridiculous rationalization for breaking (laughs) their best laid plans. What's happening at that point is the the lizard brain is overtaking you. And if if your paradigm is that you have to love it, you're going to let it overtake you. You're going to let go of your neocortex and your logical brain in the seat of, you know, rational, long-term planning and goal achievement. And you're going to 
just let go and let the the eat mate or kill impulse run run rampant and in this case it's going to eat everything now if you and if you combine that with the fact that the food industry is engineering all these hyper palatable substances as much sugar and fat and salt and starch and oil and excitotoxins as they can and, and cram into one space and then they have millions of dollars of research that go into um, packaging it so that it looks really healthy and then millions of dollars and more billions of dollars and more that go into advertising it there's um you know they're like five thousand messages a year beamed at us um, over the internet and the 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 TV and the radio and virtually none of them were about fruit and vegetables. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the addiction treatment industry saying you're powerless over this. The best you can hope for is to abstain one day at a time. You can't quit even if you want to. What hope does anybody have, right? <laughs> and then you're supposed to love your lizard brain. So so what worked for me and what's worked for the thousands of people that have read my book or work with me personally, is um, cultivating a sense of distaste for the lizard brain at the moment of impulse. And you want to cultivate that sense of distaste so that at the moment of impulse, you wake up and remember who you are, what's important to you, and you get those few extra microseconds to make the right decision. Yeah. The way I did that is kind of embarrassing. Um, for a sophisticated psychologist who's you know the CEO of companies that have done tens of millions of dollars of research for big companies and consulting and everything that you'd expect out of me. You expect there is this big scientific conclusion, but what worked for me was saying, okay, I'm going to make a rule that separates healthy eating from unhealthy eating. So maybe I'll say, I will never eat chocolate again. And therefore, when I hear that voice, that um, my, my inner lizard brain, that's my pig. When I hear the voice that says chocolate is a vegetable, that's pig squeal. And when the what the pig is actually squealing for the chocolate, well, that's pig slop. I don't eat pig slop, and I don't let farm animals tell me what to do. And as ridiculous as it sounds, as crude as that sounds, as simple as it sounds, that's what worked for me. Huh. It, it, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I and you can see how that connection uh, can start to. I mean, just as you were just saying it, it's the first time I've heard that. And as you're saying it, I'm. It's it's like it makes sense like how that would work. Um, so is is that something like does is everyone kind of come up with their own little rationale sort of anti rationale like that or is that kind of like what you tell everybody uh, you know the pig and the slop thing? Well, I, I take a lot of heat for calling it a pig because people don't want to have a pig inside yeah, of them. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you know it, it works just as well if you come up with your own name for it. So, a lot of women call it their inner bitch. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> So, so, some um, some people call it their inner slacker. Some yeah. people call it their junkier dog, dog or their food demon or something like that. And you can use your own metaphor, but the bottom line is you, what you don't want to do is think of it as a cutesy pet because you, you don't want to be tempted to love it. You want to have a sense of distaste for it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes sense. Like I was trying to think of a squirrel probably wouldn't be a good one because squirrels are so cute and, and, uh, and you know maybe like a, like a sea leopard or something. Uh, or a, a, a wild boar. <laughs> right. or, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Or oh, like by, by, by the way, yeah. just so people know, I'm. this is just a mental construct. Right. I don't think you have a real pig inside of you. And, I, <laughs> and pigs in the real world are... Are great. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. They're, they're desperately in need of our help. They're being tortured. They, they're very sweet animals. Yes. Yes. I was, yeah. That pig inside of me is a creature. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Right. And God, there's so much um, to unpack here. Um 
I I don't want to cut you off. So how did so it, how did you get to like kind of where you are now? Sort of uh, kind of finish up that story, and then I've got about four thousand questions. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to your four thousand questions. <laughs> I always I always learn from them. Um, so it I had a newfound sense of power when I did this. Now I won't, I won't tell you that it was perfect. Um, I did fall down a number of times, but. As I practice refining the rules, I, I realize that you can't just give up everything in life that you had to be able to do some things conditionally. So, for example, maybe there were some people who would only eat chocolate at a, um, you know, at a social event or some people who would only eat it on the weekends. Or, and I realized that there was a lot of creativity and art that went into setting up the rules. But the rules had to be defined in such a way that they were 100% objective so that 10 people following you around all day would agree whether you followed it or not. Right. So there was that. There was a experimenting with the rules, realizing that you had to add, you had to add things as well, well as take them away. So we came up with a category called always rules. Like I I'll always eat five servings of fruit and vegetables a day. I yeah. always drink two glasses of water you know, before I get up in the morning um, and did a lot of experimenting first for myself and then for my clients with how you actually create a food rule. I realized that it was better to focus on the single worst trigger food behavior to start with. So you would reclaim your sense of power and see how the game was played rather than trying to lose weight really quickly. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that trying to lose weight really quickly is one of the reasons that binges exist in the first place. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I took off the weight. I kept it off. Um, more importantly, I lost the obsession with food. I wasn't constantly thinking about it. I realized that the, the cause of the obsession is the lack of clarity about what constitutes healthy food and what constitutes binge food, what constitutes healthy eating behavior, what constitutes binge eating behavior. And I realized that if you were willing to put in the time and effort to really clearly define that for yourself then it wasn't possible for the pig to torture you with all these obsessive thoughts about food. And so the obsession went away and I felt like I had all this mental energy again to accomplish other things and yeah. put into relationships and being present. Yeah. So that's the rest of my story. Cool. Well, it almost seems like you talk about the lizard brain and the the basal ganglia as part of that. You know, it's the kind of what controls your blinking and your heartbeat and breathing and all that. And it seems like as we are more technically advanced and like, I feel like we know more than we've ever known, but there's some sense of us that is like almost reverting back or maybe we, we never reverted away from it. It's like everything is now, 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 as far as like credit cards, you get it now. And then you get, you know, these like lose 10 pounds in 10 days and you've got, you know, every, everybody it's really, really hard to kind of override that, um, that lizard brain to, to think long term. Talk about that. Is that, do you see that? Like, why is that, is that why we're so now, 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 now is because we've got that eat, mate, kill mentality wired deep in within what, us? Well, it's because we've got that eat, mate, kill mentality, but it's also because the market naturally evolves in a capitalist democratic system to um, bigger, faster, cheaper, more pleasurable. Yeah. Um, that's that's one of the prices that we pay for having a, a democratic capitalist system. And I, I agree with Winston Churchill, who said that um, capitalism is the worst form of government, uh, except for all the others. 
<laughs> oh. <laughs> right. So, so, so I'm, I'm not arguing against it. I'm not a communist, but I think you need to understand that this is the natural outcome. Yeah. And th- there's a solution, though. And the solution is to understand that character trumps willpower. See, wh- willpower is a fatigable muscle. Yeah. That, that's scientifically proven. There, there's a great book by William Baumeister called The Willpower Instinct. And what it essentially shows is there are only so many good decisions we can make in a day because will, making good decisions requires physical energy. It actually requires glucose. It's harder to do when you're tired than you're awake. Everybody knows this by common sense. And that that's why you can start out the day with the best laid dietary plans and then so many people blow it just before they go to sleep at night. Um, willpower takes physical energy. But character doesn't. So if you ask yourself, how much willpower did it take not to steal the waitress's tip from the <laughs> diner's table yeah. when nobody was looking? None, right? Right. Unless you're like a psychopath or something, yeah. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you're a psychopath. <laughs> but, but the reason it doesn't take willpower is because somewhere along the line you decided as a matter of character hmm. that that's not something you do. Yeah. So a lot of people will tell me, well, I can't, I couldn't be someone who never ate chocolate again. And I'd say, I say, I couldn't never eat chocolate again. And I say, well, that might be true, but could you be the kind of person who didn't eat chocolate? And there's a little shift in their thinking. And they realize that, yes, they can make decisions to be the kind of person that doesn't do this or doesn't do that. And a lot of, um, a lot of Jewish women I talk to will tell me that they made a decision to be kosher and they used to love shellfish and they decided they would never have shellfish again and it hasn't bothered them at all. Yeah, It was a decision they made as a matter of character based on their values and what was important to them and and they didn't require willpower to do it. And so will, um, character trumps willpower. Ask yourself, what kind of person do I want to become and how do I define that person? Yeah. And then you don't have to make these decisions all day long. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that you bring up willpower. So willpower and motivation, from what I understand and the research that I've done, are, are sort of inversely proportional. So if there's something that you're really motivated to do, like you're really excited to do something, you don't need a whole lot of willpower to do it. On the, the you know, Conversely, if there's something that you really just are not looking forward to, like it's like I, if I put a gun to your head and say, go run a marathon right now, you're just like, oh, gosh. Like Then that takes a ton of willpower. So there's like this declining line on the on the on the xy axis or whatever um and so yeah so willpower can actually absolutely uh run out and i think you yeah you nailed it when you said you know at the end of the, that's why at the end of the day why you, you have so much resolve at the beginning of the day well at the end of the day it's like what happened like i, I have no i'm having no problem doing all this stuff that i said i wasn't going to do and i woke up this morning um and we we're just wait, 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 whereas character um character are the things that you do regardless of whether you feel like it or not. Right, right. Yeah, just because I'm tired doesn't mean I'm going to go out and just start murdering people in the street. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Sorry, I was tired. Yeah. (laughs) I ran out of willpower. (laughs) You don't don't grab the first attractive woman you see and kiss her. Right, right, right. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just really tired, babe. Uh, Didn't mean to come across (laughs) weird. Yeah, I thought this is awkward. But okay, so that, you know, there's another phenomenon out there, kind of this idea that if you do these mini habits, like small behavior changes at a time, and how that can kind of steamroll uh, into more, uh, I guess, neurologically strong uh, behavior change or behavior, just period. And so, is that something that you've seen? Is if you can get people to just do, make small changes and just compound those onto each other, it's kind of a snowball effect. Yes, yes, yes. 
that's why I tell people to start with one rule. Yeah. Um, and and it, it can be a simple rule. Like, a, I never eat pretzels outside of a Major League Baseball game. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how hard would that be to follow? Right. So, but, but it proves to them that they're not powerless. It proves to them that they're in control, not their, not their impulses. And they get excited. There is a, um, there's a sense of hope and enthusiasm that gets restored. And then they naturally want to do other things. Yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit about uh, my story. And some of my listeners uh, know some of this. But I used to do it. I would have a weekly routine. I haven't done this in many, many years because it was not a sustainable human pattern. But I would basically starve myself Monday through Saturday. Um, and this is when I was doing like long distance endurance training. I, I, I was eating very healthy Monday through Saturday, but I wasn't eating near enough to, to you know, uh, I guess, give the energy that I was needing based on my movement patterns. And to the point where like on, you know, Sunday mornings was kind of what I would consider like my binge day or whatever. And like on Sunday mornings, like I would, anytime I would stand up, I would just like almost pass out, you know, because of the the lack of energy available. Um, and then I would just, I mean, I would eat 10, 12,000 calories a day on Sunday. I would wake myself up. This is before kids back when I could like do whatever I wanted on a Sunday afternoon. And, uh, and I would just like wake myself up from my nap to eat like a Snickers bar just, you know, like just because it was my cheat day, I had to get it all in. It was hard to, to get out of that, that behavior pattern to where now, like I just like on, you know, there really is no like sort of quote unquote cheat day. And I hate the, the term cheat day because that implies that you're doing something wrong. Um, I agree. And, and I, you know, now like I advise people to not use a cheat meal or cheat day, just like you didn't cheat. You just, you decided to have a cookie and you made a, a very conscious decision to, uh, to eat a cookie. That's it. You didn't do anything wrong. So is, is that, you know, I, do you kind of, I guess, explain in your, in your experience, sort of this whole cheat day, binge meal, binge day kind of thing. And, and is that a sustainable thing for people to do? I find that it is. I, well, okay. There are some people I find who really do better if they have no sugar or no sugar flour alcohol whatsoever there are some people and if you're struggling with um coming up with a set of rules that work for you and you keep falling down and no matter what you do you keep having trouble the odds are decent that you might do better without sugar flour and alcohol because um there's no nutritional need in the body for those substances but i don't like to drive people to that right away because i think about coming up with a set of rules um, for your food plan, kind of like being a city traffic planner. And if you're a city traffic planner, you want to assess where the dangerous intersections are and you want to put the right level of control at the right intersection. So at some intersections, you need a light. At other intersections, a stop sign is good enough. At some intersections, you need a, um, a yield sign. And at a lot of intersections, you don't want anything at all. Because we're trying to simultaneously maximize freedom and control. We want it, free, freedom and safety. We want to make sure you're safe to accomplish your health and fitness goals, but at the same time, we want to maximize your freedom. Um, so what typically happens is that people will have their everyday way of eating, but then there are holidays and family reunions and restaurants and travel and um, you know all types of other exceptions. And I ask people to really think through what those exceptions might be. And if they want to eat somewhat differently during those exceptions than they do normally. And for some people, those exceptions are weekends. Some people, some yeah. people say, well, one day a week, you know, I'm, I'm never going to have chocolate during the week, but on the weekends, I want to go to town if I want to. And that works for some people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, 
the the way to really know is to well, I mean you could try it but the other way to know is to really visualize what your life might be like let's let's say you had two separate rules one rule says I'll never eat chocolate again the other rule says I'll only ever eat chocolate again on the weekends and portray yourself about a year from now assuming you followed those rules perfectly and what do you see is your weight different is your is your health different? Are you feeling mentally free or do you have more energy in one situation than the other? Really take, a, take the time to visualize what your life is going to be like in a year in one scenario versus the next. And unconsciously, the reason this works is unconsciously I find people really know whether they're the kind of person who could eat chocolate on the weekends or not. People really know whether they can make those exceptions or not. And, and if you decide you are the kind of person, then it's not an exception. It's just the kind of person you are. Right. Don't, don't call it a cheat day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. So, like, what what is a typical day for you? Well, um, I, I have to tell you that having discovered this power, I gravitated more and more towards whole natural foods. And I find there's nobody who wants to eat the way that I do. And so my book is Diet Agnostic. I help people who eat exactly the opposite of I do. I'm, I'm a raw vegan. I, I live primarily on whole fresh ripe raw fruits and vegetables and a couple of nuts and seeds and that's just how i think my body feels best and i have opinions about whether that's the right way for all humans to eat or not but um i i'm not concerned with that when i work with clients i help a lot of people probably the overwhelming majority of the people i work with are paleo um and and you know i i um so I, I have I, what's important to me is that I help people to get control over their inner pig and eat the way that they want to, so they can accomplish what they want, and then they can figure out what diet is really best for them over time. Would you Would you agree with the the statement that weight loss, or not even weight loss, because I don't I don't like the term. I like the term fat loss over weight loss because not all weight is bad. Uh, right, and, and then. Uh, just kind of the path to health and wellness starts with getting your head right. It doesn't matter what behaviors you're doing. If your head isn't in the right place, you're not going to succeed. Do you agree with that? Yes and no. It depends what you mean by it. I agree that you need to reverse the attitude of powerlessness and um, the any any notion that you can't control yourself you need to reverse that, and those are notions that are in your head. What I'm concerned about are people who might take that statement to mean that you've got to be emotionally stable before you eat well, that you've got to solve right. the... Yeah, well, yeah. So then you get people that are like, well, I'm, I'm eating bad because I still haven't, I haven't gone to the counselor enough to fix all my mental problems, so I'm just going to continue eating a birthday cake every three meals a day. Yeah, Right. Yeah. And, and the truth, the opposite is true. If you fix your eating problems, your any therapist will tell you that your emotions will come to the surface so you can deal with them. Right. So you really want to fix the eating problem first, fix the behavior huh. first, and then the emotions follow. Well, and it's like the fake it till you make it phenomenon uh, that you know you hear marriage counselors will say if you're, you know, if you if you believe that you're falling out of love with your spouse, the first thing that they'll tell you to do if you want to continue the relationship is to just start acting like you did when you did feel like you loved that person, and then the feeling will follow. Um, I think there's a little bit of truth. I think there's a lot of truth in that. And I think it, it, it applies here as well. 
I used to be one of the marital counselors who said those kind of things, so I, I agree with you. Really? <laughs> yes. In my in my in my 30s, I mostly did couples and family. Cool. Counseling. Yeah, we, my wife and I have, have done a little bit of that, and so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's one of those deals where you're like, that's that doesn't sound like that would work, and then you do it, and sure enough, uh, there's it works. Your brain will start to reinforce those those pathways, uh, mm-hmm. and before you know it, that's all really all a feeling is is just a, sort of like a reinforced uh, behavior uh, in your brain, but um. Okay, so we are. I told you thirty minutes was going to go by too fast. Um, tell us about where people can find you on the on the on the web on your internet, your website on your internet. Uh, he has his own internet. It's my internet. I he own it. He has his own internet. It's a separate internet. Yeah, <laughs> he and Al Gore are the ones who came up with it. Um, but where can people find you on the internet and tell uh, about your book and all that all that good stuff? Okay, so the first thing I want to give you is a free copy of the book. Hey, the sweet. Yep. You can get it for the Kindle or the Nook or the PDF if you go to neverbingeagain.com, click the big red button, and sign up for the list. The other thing you're going to get when you do that is a set of food plan starter templates. And I went to great trouble to create starter sets of rules that you can customize for yourself. And it is important you customize them for yourself. But there's one for paleo, there's one for vegetarian, there's one for vegans, there's one for... um, Macrobiotics is one for calorie counters. It really doesn't matter what plan you're on. You should be able to find one that that gets you started. And most importantly, I just signed up. We've been t- oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> most importantly, we've been talking primarily in theory about how this works. But I recorded a whole set of coaching sessions, which I'll distribute to you also. Um, Full length sessions where you can hear me taking people through all of their scary scary reactions to this philosophy and. The reason you want to listen to that in particular is because it, it sounds kind of harsh when we're just sitting here talking about it. But I, I'm really a compassionate guy, and you'll you'll be able to tell it's a very compassionate philosophy when you actually listen to those cool. sessions. So never binge again. Click the big red button to sign up. Yeah, and I just did it. It was super easy, and then it came to my inbox and my email, and I clicked to confirm, and then here it is. It's all there. So that was super easy. It's a really cool-looking website as well. So. Golly, we are at 30 minutes. I can't believe it. Oh, these always go by too fast. Okay, so uh, I really appreciate your time. I, we really do. Like, I feel like maybe sometime in the fall, have you back on and uh, and talk more about this stuff and then you know, catch up and see what else you got going Cause on. Because I, I have to answer the 39,994 other questions. I know. There's, I, don't, I didn't even get to, like, the, I, I'm, five, I'm five in to my huge list. There is one thing that we do, and I, uh, with, with all our guests, normally Rick is on here with me. Uh, I'll try to do it without him. Um, we guess we try to guess birthdays. And okay, we've actually gotten one one time. Uh, so I'm gonna get two guesses. Does this include the year? No, just the month and <laughs> the day. I'm gonna guess uh, April third. Um, no, I'm gonna guess no, August twenty sixth. Oh, I, well, there, August 26th, my second guess. August 26th, that's my... <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I, I, I forgot you said you got... No, you got it's okay. So, yeah, I actually have a good friend. Well, His let, birthday let me guess yours. It's August 26th. So, how about that? Um, and then one last thing, one final question we ask everybody that's, come, that's ever been on the show is, what is one thing you enjoy about life or something you do to make life more enjoyable? Oh, that would be hiking in nature by waterfalls. There, there's is, nothing I like better than walking by a waterfall. Hiking in nature by waterfalls. That is very specific. I love how specific that is. On my brain. <laughs> right? <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I can't wait to read uh, your stuff and to, to learn more about this and, and share it with, uh, with those around me. So, uh, Glenn, I really appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I just asked you, ask you one question. Yeah. 
Is your birthday February 7th? It's not. <laughs> okay. That's that's a good guess. Nope, November 12th? Nope, that's it. And that's your those are your two <laughs> okay. guesses. We've never had anyone guess our birthdays. How about okay. that? Rick's birthday is actually leap year. It's leap or it's leap day. It's February 29th. Oh no. And mine is June 26th. So mine is coming up. So Okay. Cool. I love birthdays. Okay. Happy happy birthday soon. <laughs> All right. I right, mean, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much.